So we get to learn together virtually, Baruch Hashem. So today's daf is Yud Beis, 12, Meseches Ksuvis. We are picking up on Yud Aleph on the Beis, 11b, and we left off, we left off in the wide lines, two, four, six lines after the lines get wide. Vahadr Bey Rava. So remember again, Rava made the interesting, Rava made the interesting approach. Rava wanted to suggest that Halacha Lamaisa, Rava wanted to suggest, I'm sorry, we had, uh, um, I'm sorry. Rava wanted to suggest that Bain Hikirba, Bain Lo Hikirba, whether the husband realized that his wife was a Mukasait or didn't realize that she was a Mukasait, ultimately, again, Rabbi Meir holds that Halachalamai says she's a Basula and has the Ksuva of 200. And the Chachamim say, and the Chachamim say, ultimately, again, if it's Hikirba, if he knows about that she was a Mukasait, then ultimately she gets a Mona, 100. If it's not Hokerba, he doesn't know that she was a Mukasait, Mekachtos, and she gets nothing. Rava. And he says, by the way, Rava retracted this position. From where do we see that Rava retracted this position? This Sanya, because we learned Ketzar, Otsa, Shemra. What's the case of Otsa, Shemra? Bala Bezin. Remember, Motsi Shemra means, as we're going to see in just a moment, where a husband puts forth an allegation against his wife, impugning her virtue. And it turns out that he was, that, that he claimed something falsely. So Mar says, what's the case? Bala Bezin, Va'amar, Ploni, Lomatzai, Slebit, Chabsulim. So a man comes to Bezin, Kolom, Ruven comes, Ruven marries Rachel. Ruven comes to Bezin, and he says to Rachel's father, your daughter wasn't a basula. We got married, your daughter wasn't a basula. Why? The Gemara says, We had this ready yesterday, but just to review. If Halach said there are Edim that she committed adultery, she only has a Ksuva of 100. The Gemara says, What? If there are witnesses that she committed Znus, that she committed adultery, forget about Ksuva. She's Mechuyeves and Skila. That's what it means to say. If there are witnesses that she committed adultery while married to him, then she is subject to skila. If it turns out that she had relations with another man before Eris and Teruvain, then ultimately again she gets a ksuva of 100. What does this teach us? Teaches this is a very important halacha that if a man marries a woman thinking that she's a basula and it turns out that she's not the basula, she's entitled to a ksuva ultimately of 100, which sounds like you cannot claim mekachtos. Umasiv Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman raised the kasha, this is actually the next Mishnah. Rav Nachman says, a man marries a woman and it turns out that he, she, he claims, I didn't find basulim. She says, now here's what's interesting. He omeres, Listen to this. In this case, he's claiming she's not a basula. She says, you're right. You're right. But she says, after Arison, I was violated by someone. And it's your mazel. It's your mazel. He's claiming no Maybe you were violated even before, or you had relations even before, and it was a mekachtos. The whole thing is a mekachtos. So what's the halacha? For less klal, we don't give her any kind of ksuva in that situation. It sounds like that we side with him that indeed it's a mekachtos. So said, and all the gedolei adar were sitting as Rav Sheshes gave over this ruling. The kashilu v'shani. 
my mekach tos nami mimasayim avamone isla. And all the Gidol Yadar said, when we say it's a mekach tos, mekach tos means, you're right, he doesn't have to give her a ksuv of 200, but he definitely has to at least give her a ksuv of 100, the at amrit less leklal, and right, and ultimately you're claiming that she's entitled to nothing that doesn't make any sense. The Amarava, man de kamosif, shapir kamosif. And Rava said, the one who raised the question asked a good question. Mekachtos legamre mashma. When you use Lashna Mekachtos, Mekachtos doesn't sound like you go from 200 to 100. Mekachtos sounds like you go from something to nothing. The Elakashia, Svelakashia, Hachtaris Vemach. Here's how to answer it up. Here we go. If there are witnesses that after Iris and she had relations with another man other than her husband, she's subject to skila. If Halach said turns out that she had relations before Erisin and never disclosed this, and he became a Kudash Esther on the condition that she is, or with the understanding that she is a Besula, that's a Mekachtos, right? So to speak, a fraudulent transaction. And he, he can void it, and he's no Chiyah no for any type of Ksuva. So the Gemara says, listen to this, Nimtseis Mukas Eitz, what happens if it turns out that she was a Mukas Eitz? Then Yeshla Ksuva Mana. Ultimately, she has a Ksuva of a Mana. So I will say, interestingly enough, three different cases. Case number one, so the case over here is they got married. Ruven says, Racha, not a Basula. Not a Basula. So case number one is if there are witnesses that she committed adultery after Erisin, before Nisuin, then Erachinami, Skila. That's case number one. Case number two, case number two is a situation where Halacha Lamaisa, where Halacha Lamaisa, I'm sorry. Case number two is a situation where, um, right, case number two is Halacha Lamaisa, where she had relations before Erison. She had relations before Erison. Ultimately, again, in that case, Mekachtos. Case number three is Mukas Eitz. What happens in Mukas Eitz? Mukas Eitz gets a ksuva of 100 zuz. So Gibar says, I, but Rava was the one who said that according to the Rabbanon, if he didn't know about the Mukas A situation, he's not, he, there's no Ksuva, total Mekachtos. And yet here, Rava is saying that for Mukas eight you get 100. You see from here that Rava retracted his position. So I will say, where the Gemara is holding right now is that essentially, if she wasn't a Besul, if she had relations before Erisin and never disclosed, then maybe he could claim Mekachtos. We'll leave aside the Skila case, the adultery cases. In a case of Mukas 8, it appears that Halach Alamaisa, she will at least get the Ksuva of 100 Mone. Tan Rabbanon, Kin Sarishon Neshem Nisuin V'yesh Le'edmim Shalom Nistira. Let's say again, Rachel married Ruvain. She married Ruvain, right? Ultimately, Kin Sarishon Neshem V'yesh Le'edmim Shalom Nistira. Now the case over here, interestingly enough, interesting. If you look at Rashi, last Rashi on the Daf, Yesh Adim Shlom Nistera, Rabus Hashmuyan Dafilo Hachi Ena Shini Yacholaton. The case over here is, let's say Rachel married Ruvain, right? Erisin and then Nisun went to the Chuppah, but let's say Ruvain died right after the Chuppah or during, or right, right, literally right as the Chuppah was concluded. So you have witnesses that they were never alone together, even though, right? Ina Mi Nistera Vlo Shasabia or they were alone but not alone long enough for something to have occurred. So what's the halacha? It's very interesting. Halacha Lamaisa, the first, second husband, has no tainas besulim on Rachel. Why? Because once a woman enters into Nisuin, she loses her status of a besula 
even if halacha circumstantially, we know that nothing actually occurred. A fascinating halacha. Top of Yud Beis. Amar Abba, Zos Omeres, Kinsa Becheskas Besula, Benimtza Beula, Yeshlak Suvamana. What do you see from here? You see from here that Allah said that if a man marries a woman thinking that she's a basula, and it turns out that she's a ba'ula, she has a ksuva of a mana. Now look at Rashi, Zosa Meres, the Havanta Becheskas Basula Kinsa, the Samachaid, and the Kamar, and Yachalaf, see the mana, Rila Amana Minasuan. They both say, where does the Gemara give this raya from? Let's play this out, right? So Rachel's married to Ruvain, they have Chopa, he dies right after the Chopa, now Shimon marries Rachel. Now, when Shimon marries Rachel, when Shimon marries Rachel, why he's marrying her, the Gemara says, out the assumption that she's a basula. After all, she was never alone with Ruvain. Never alone with Ruvain. Yet, in that case, the halacha is that ultimately, again, there's no tainus basula. We treat her like a non-basula. And therefore, halacha lamayi says she has a ksuva of a mana. So the rabbi is saying, based on this, you see from here, that if a man marries a woman thinking that she's a basula, and it turns out that she's not a basula, she is still entitled to a ksuva of a mana. So Ravashi, the Gemara says, Ravashi Amar, so Ravashi Amar, Ba'alma, so we'll say, Suravashi says like this, in reality, in reality, this is not necessarily the case. I'll tell you why. In general, we'll say like this, if a man marries a woman thinking that she's a basula, but it turns out that she's a ba'ula, this case is different, why? Because this woman was clearly married already. Now I will say, what does that mean? What that means is Shimon, when you marry Rachel, you know that she was married. She had chuppah. She had chuppah with Ruvain. So okay, you think that she's a basula, that's fine. You can think whatever you want. But Lamaisa, our circumstances are abundantly clear. So we'll say here Ravashi's making a distinction. Then maybe it's in a case where essentially the husband should have known that she's not treated like a basula, where we say that even if you thought she was a basula, you're still on the hook for a hundred zuz ksuva. Masha'in came a case where a husband had no reason to expect that his wife was not a basula. Right? Ruvain marries Rachel thinking that she's absolutely a basula. It turns out that she's not. Maybe in that case, mekachtos, and he's not subject to anything. The Gemara says, Why aren't we concerned that halacha lamaisa, maybe, maybe the wife was mezana while married to her husband? What's the case? The case ultimately again is where there was Kiddushin and then be immediately afterwards. The Others go ahead and arrange this discussion on our Mishnah. If you have a woman who is a Basula, but she's a Basula who is an Amana, a Grusha, Chalutza, Menanisuin. Now again, in this case over here, these are all cases where Halacha Lama, I said there was Nisuin. But we know the marriage wasn't consummated. Husband died at the chuppah. What's talacha? Ksuvasan mana. So I'll say it's interesting. What you see essentially is that once a woman has nisuin, that she loses her, she loses besula status. Lose besula status, even if we know the marriage was not consummated. The tainos besulin, and therefore second husband can't have any tainos besulin. However, besula min anisuin heichim mishkachos. I says how do you ever have a case of a besula from nisuin? I could tell you, very simple. It's a case where she went into chuppah, but there was never bia. What do we see from here? If a man goes ahead and marries a woman thinking that she is a basula, and it turns out that she's a ba'ula, she still gets a ksuva of a mana. 
And Ravashi says, not necessarily. In reality, in a general case, where a man marries a woman thinking that she was a besula, and ultimately it turns out that she's a beula, she's entitled to nothing. This case of the marriage is different. Why? Because he knows. She went to the chuppah. So once a woman enters into the chuppah, by definition, she loses a besula status, so to speak, if her husband were to die, even if her husband were to die immediately. Maybe we should be concerned that she has no right after Kiddushin with the second husband. The case is where in the second marriage there was Kiddushin and Bia immediately afterwards. So the one who has this, who arranges this conversation on the Braisa, would certainly be happy with the second version as well in the Mishnah. But the second version that has it on the Mishnah, would not agree, to, let's say, with the version that goes on the Braisa. Because ultimately, again, the second husband could always say, I relied on the witnesses who said that what? You were never alone with your first husband, either never alone with him at all, or never alone for long enough that something would have occurred. So I will say, a really, a really fascinating. A really fascinating sugya. I will say the way we paskin is we paskin that a mukas. Well, actually, we'll see. We'll, we'll actually save how we paskin on the mukas eights. But but here's what we have. Just here's the, the the unresolved issue still. Number one, what's the status of a mukas eights? Right? Is a mukas eights treated like a basula or like a baula? That's issue number one. Again, I'm going to save this for tomorrow's daf and Hashem. We'll see the halacha lamaisa there. Issue number two is halacha lamaisa. Right, say is a mukasates like a basula, like a bula. Issue number two is if a man marries a woman thinking that she's a basula, but it turns out that she's a baula, can he claim mekach taos or not? So these are the two areas of machlokas. Hold on to it. We're going to resolve it in Mirat Hashem in tomorrow's daf. Or if we have time, maybe a little bit later this morning as well. So says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, we've made reference to this case a number of times already. A man who would eat his meals by his father-in-law in Yehuda, referring to the tribal area of Yehuda and Eretz Yisrael, Shalom Be'edim. Now, both say, as we spoke about before, in Yehuda, it was customary to go ahead and, and have the chassan alone with the kala. They did this that the chassan and kala should get to know each other. We're going to see an incredible Yerushalmi as to why this was done in Yehuda and not in other places. But let's read the Mishnah first. So I will say, if a person goes ahead and literally eats his meals by his father-in-law's home, meaning he's alone with his kala without Eidim, he cannot go ahead and claim after the marriage he's not a basula. In other words, once Chassan and Kala are alone together for long enough for something to have occurred, husband loses any right to subsequently claim that she's not a basula. Logical. Once you're alone long enough for something to occur, she may not be a basula. But Lamaisa, the reason ultimately she may not be a basula is because Halacha Lamaisa, the husband, was with her. Again, granted before Nisuin, after Arison. Says the Gemara, Mediktani Ha'ochel, now this is interesting. The way the Mishnah is worded is, if one eats by his father-in-law's house in Yehuda, which makes it sound like that even in the area of Yehuda, some places had this custom that the Chassan and Kala are alone with each other, and some places 
didn't have this custom that the chassan and kala are alone with each other. In Yehuda also, some places did it, some places didn't. In other words, some places had the chassan and kala along, alone with each other, and some locales did not. Says the Gemara, Kedisanyo, Kedisanyo, I'm Rabbi Yehuda, Bi Yehuda, Barishona Hayom Yachten Esa Chassan Vahasa Kala, Sha'achas Kodem Knisasan Luchopa, Kedeshiyehe Libo Gaspa. This is interesting. Apparently in the beginning, in Yehuda, what they would do is, an hour before the Chuppah, right? An hour before the Chuppah, which Shah doesn't have to mean an hour, it means some amount of time before the Chuppah, they would have the Chassan and Kala be alone with each other. Why? Because they wanted them to develop a connection with each other. So the Gemara says, Kadesh Liyuas, they want to be connected. But in the Galil, in the north of Eretz Yisrael, they didn't do this. So the Gemara says, And in Yehuda, they also had another interesting practice, which is, which is that they would give attendance, right? In other words, they would give an attendant to the chasen, an attendant to the kala. And I both say the point of this is as follows. What we try to avoid, I know it sounds a little bit strange, is we don't want making anyone, we don't want anyone making any kind of fraudulent claim. So we don't want the chasen to claim that the kala wasn't a basula when she was, and we don't want the kala to be able to claim that she was a basula when she wasn't. How would the chasen do this? The chasen would swap out the sheet. Let's say there was blood on the sheet, he would swap it out. How would the kala do it? The kala would do it by going ahead and bringing in a sheet that was stained and putting that on the marital bed already. So just in order to ensure that that there's there's... No, no one is trying to pull shtick, right? That, that no one is trying to go out and manipulate the other. The chassan would have his attendant, the kala would have her attendant. Good. So the Gemara says, In the Galil, they would not do this. They would not do this. So the Gemara says, This is another interesting one. In Yehuda, in Yehuda, they had the custom that ultimately, again, that the attendants would sleep in the same house that the Chassan and Kala were spending their wedding night. In the Galil, they wouldn't do this. And I will say, so again, Anyone who did not conduct themselves in accordance with these practices could not claim tainus. So in other words, these were the safeguards to make sure that no one is uh, trying to pull the wool over anyone else's eyes. If you do not abide by these practices, you lose the right to claim a tainus besulim. So Gemara says, okay, I hear, I'm going to say, what, what, that last phrase, that last phrase, Whoever did not conduct themselves according to these practices, what is that referring to? Is that referring to the Shoshvinin, that they have their attendants <coughs> who check the room, who check the sheets? <coughs> Excuse me. Or ultimately, again, is it referring to the practice of having the attendants sleep in the house? What is it referring to? To which the Gemara says, let's analyze. Ilema Reisha. Ultimately, again, if it's referring to the first part of the Reisha, that ultimately, again, I will say the truth is, the Reisha was really the Miyachadin, right? The idea that originally in Yehuda, they would have the Chassan and Kala alone with each other for an hour before the Chuppah. If that's the case, then it should say, It should say that anyone who conducted themselves in accordance with this practice, i.e., the Chassan and Kala were alone with each other, there's no longer the ability to claim a Tainas Besulim. Ela Asefa, rather it must be going on the Seifa. If that's the case, Kol Shalom Mushmash Mibayle. It should say anyone 
who was not taken care of by the attendants cannot go ahead and make a tainas besulim. Amr Abayi, the Olam Aresha. Really, it's going on the first part. On the custom of having Yichod. Vitani kol shenahag. And the way to read it is kol shenahag. Whoever conducted themselves this way, i.e. that the Chassan and Kala were alone with each other before the Chuppah, ultimately, again, you lose Tainas Besulim. Amr Ali Rabbah, v'ha kol shenahag. That's not what it says. It says whoever did not conduct themselves in accordance with this practice doesn't have a Tainas Besulim. Ela Amr Rabbah, hachi kamar. What it means is like this. Whoever did not act like the people of the Galil, but rather acted like the people of Yehuda in the Galil, which means in the Galil, they did not have the Chassan and Kala alone with each other. So if you're living in the Galil, but you conducted yourself like B'nai Yehuda, and the Chassan and Kala were alone with each other before the Chuppah, you lose the opportunity for Tainas Besulim. Ravashim and the Olam HaSeifah, Ravashim says, no, go on the Seifah, Vitani Koshala Mushmash, and change it to say whoever was not serviced by the attendants ultimately has no Tainas Besulim. So I will say, the point over here is that Allah said to, to highlight the fact that there were different practices. And even in Yehuda itself, there were different practices. Now what's clear is Yehuda had this unique practice of going ahead and having the chasen and kala alone with each other, alone with each other, prior to the chasenah. And again, the stated re- prior to the nisuin, after erusin, prior to the nisuin. And again, the logic behind that was, was what? Was in order to create the connection between chasen and kala. But of course, once they're alone with each other long enough for something to have occurred, so you would not have tainas basulim. I will say, what is the source of this practice? I actually, I sent it out on the chat, the, a copy of the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi Meseches Ksuvis, Perek Aleph Halacha Hey, discusses this practice, and this is absolutely amazing. I'm going to read to the Yerushalmi. He says, Berishona, the Yerushalmi says, Berishona, and this is on the chat, Berishona Gazru Shmad Yehuda. Let me just say this outside. The Yerushalmi says like this, there was a decree, there was a decree. Now, the Yerushami doesn't indicate to us at what point in time this decree occurred, but the truth is, we see this by both the Greeks as well as by the Romans. The decree that Akala on her wedding night would spend her first night, her first night with the local governor. Local governor. And so I will say, it's amazing. And apparently, this practice, the Yerushami says, most acutely affected the area of Yehuda. I guess that's where the Greek or Roman forces were primarily concentrated. So you have this incredible, overwhelming gzera. In fact, I want to point out, in the, in the Megillah's Chashmonayim, the Megillah's Chashmonayim says that one of the things that sparked the Hasmonean revolt, right, the rebellion of the Chashmonayim, was this decree, that ultimately every Jewish girl on her wedding night, instead of spending her wedding night with her husband, would spend her wedding night with the local Greek governor. So it sparked the Chashmonayim revolt. So in Yehuda, in Yehuda, they were concerned that this would impact the relationship between husband and wife. So what would they do? They wanted husband and wife to go ahead and form a connection with each other before the wedding night. Now, the goal wasn't relations. That actually, that actually wasn't the goal. Although, interestingly enough, from the Lashon of the Yerushalmi, from the Yerushalmi is actually that, from the Yerushalmi, it actually sounds like the intention was actually for them to have relations. But 
the Gemara just seems to indicate that the intention was that they should have a connection with each other, that there should be a, re- a relationship with each other. So even if she would have to undergo that horrific ordeal with the local governor on the wedding night, she would have a pre-established relationship with her husband. Such an incredible yisod. The Pnei Moshe, I underlined if you online, also brings down this idea that also like this, it's clear that her going to the local governor is against her will. Since she has a previous relationship with her husband, going to the local governor her wedding night is against her, it's ones, it's ones. And therefore, ultimately, again, she'll be permitted to her husband. Of course, this works for wives of Yisraelim, wives of Kohanim, the Ushami discusses, those women would actually go into hiding and would not go to the local governor because halacha lamaisa, they would be asro to their husbands. So without getting into all the details, just want to point out that historically, there was a reason for this in Yehuda. It was because of this gzera by the Greeks and the Romans. They wanted a husband and wife to have a relationship prior to the trauma, which by the way is also such an incredible yisod. Right, that you see this sometimes in relationships, that where there is a foundation, where there is a foundation, and then a traumatic, the traumatic event, traumatic event occurs afterwards, ultimately again the foundation is able to go ahead and and steady the couple and hold the couple together even past the traumatic event. So in Yehuda, they want the Chassan and Kala to have a foundation, have a relationship. We know this traumatic event is going to occur, but hopefully the foundation that they create together ultimately is able to steady them through the traumatic event. Incredible. You'll take a look at your fascinating read of the Yerushalmi. You'll take a look. Says the Mishnah, Both the Amana of Yisrael and the Amana of Kohanim ultimately again has the Ksuva of a hundred of Zuz, of Amana. It's actually incredible halacha. So the Gemara says is like this. And whether an amana, whether an amana is a bas coin, or ultimately again an amana is just a Yisrael, ultimately again for second marriage, the 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 ksuva is one hundred zos. The ksuva is one hundred zos. <clears throat> but interestingly enough, the Mishnah now records a practice that the basin of Kohanim. They used to they, they they used to institute that if you were marrying a besula from a Kohanic family, that girl got a ksuva four hundred zos. It's like the ma'ala asu bikuhuna. That ultimately, again, it appears that halacha lamaisa, that a bas coin was considered to be like royalty. <coughs> Sorry, bas coin was considered to be like royalty, and therefore halacha lamaisa, they put her ksuva at four hundred zos. Twice the price, twice the amount of a normal ksuva. Incredible. So the Gemara says, The Chum didn't object to this practice. Says the Gemara, Right, we learned that the Amana of Akahuna is the Amana, sorry, an Amana of Akahuna, an Amana who is a Bas Kohen, gets a ksuva of 200 zos. Of 200 zos. So what's going on over here? Our Mishnah said, our Mishnah said that Halacha Lamaisa, an Amana who's a Bas coin gets a ksuva of 100 zos. Yet again, the Bryce here says that she gets a ksuva of 200 zos. What's going on? So listen to this. This is incredible. So it's one of the Amana's Kohanim ksuva. I'm sorry. We learned. But our Mishnah said, an Amana is an Amana is an Amana. Second marriage gets 100 zos. What's going on? Am Ravashi, Shtei Takhanos Havu. Incredible. There are two different enactments. Meikara Takhinu Lebsula Arba Meozuz Ula Amana Mana. 
Supposed to listen to this. In the beginning, the Basin of Kohanim said that if you are marrying a Basula Bas Kohen, her Ksuva was 400 Zos. If you are marrying an Amana Bas Kohen, her Ksuva was 100 Zos, like a regular Amana. Amud Beis, Kevan de Chazudim Zalzalubahu. Since people, then when the Basin of Kohanim saw that, what? People were treating an Amana Bas Kohen with not enough respect. Because her ksuva was just a regular second marriage ksuva. A second marriage ksuva. The Gemara says, Now, by the way, what, what it means is that the whole, one of the reasons of a ksuva, Rashi points out over here, is that a husband should think twice before divorcing his wife because it's going to cost him. Well, if it only costs him a hundred zos, he didn't really think about it. Aye, but this would be true both for an almana of a baskoin and an almana sisral. It's true. But Kohanim have a higher standing within Klal Yisrael. So the Beisdin of Kohanim were concerned that the Amon Abbas coin was being treated disrespectfully or could potentially be, be, be disregarded, right? Be, be discarded, I should say, be divorced relatively easily. To which the Gemara says, what happened? Takimiluhu Masan. They upped the Ksuva of an Amon Abbas coin to 200 Zos. Here was the problem. Then what happens? They saw people start marrying an Almona Bas Kohen. Why? Because if, again, on a very just transactional level, a man says, if I'm going to have to pay 200 zuz for a ksuva, I can marry a Basula Bas Yisrael. Why should I marry an Amana Bas Kohen for the same Ksuva value? Again, not a very romantic approach to marriage, but okay. Right? Why should I marry a, a, an Amana Bas Kohen for 200 Zuz when I can marry a Basula for 200 Zuz? Therefore, Ahadrin Alimul Ultimately, again, therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, they restored it back to what it was. And therefore, again, I both say, and that's our Mishnah. That's why our Mishnah says, even an Amana Bas Kohen only gets a Ksuva of 100 Zuz. Let's go back to Beisin Shal Kohanim. So, also then the Mishnah said, the Beisin of Kohanim decided that a Besula Bas Kohen should get a Ksuva of 400 Zuz. And the Chachamim did not object. Now, I will say, why, again, why did they institute 400 Zuz? This was to reflect her royal and regal standing as a Bas Kohen. Amr Av Yehud, Amr Shmuel, Lo Beisin Shal Kohanim Bilvad. The truth is, this is not just the Din and Beisin of Kohanim. So the Gemara says, Ela Afilu well, say, let's say you had a family, a very distinguished lineage, and that family decided that for our daughters, for our daughters, we demand the ksuva of 400 zos. All right, you could do that if you want to. In other words, let's say, remember again, you could legislate whatever you want. So if a family that has very distinguished lineage, right? David HaMelech's mishpacha, they're not kohanim, but they're David HaMelech. So if David HaMelech decided that for his family, he wants to say, if you want to marry one of our daughters, her ksuva is 400 zos. Great, you, you could take it or leave it. Right? Again, you could do that. So the Gemara says, Meisve, is that true? We learned, Harotza lasos kedar shakhanim osin kegom bas Yisrael the Kohen, ubas koin Yisrael osin. So we learned elsewhere in Abraisa that if one wants to conduct themselves like the Kohanim, meaning what? That if a bas Yisrael is going to marry a Kohen, or a bas Kohen is going to marry Yisrael osin, they could demand a higher ksuva. So the Gemara says, Bas Yisrael Kohen, Ubas Kohen Yisrael, who di'ikit sat kuhuna. Ava Bas Yisrael Yisrael lo. And I will say, if you look at the examples the Brisa gives of, of inflated ksuva amounts, that's where there's a tzad kuhuna. Someone's a Kohen. A Yisrael is marrying a Kohen. A Bas Kohen marrying a Yisrael. That's where it sounds like you have a right to go ahead and inflate the value of a ksuva. 
but just stop, let's say you have a very distinguished mishpacha. So you want to say, my daughter should get 400 zoz. It doesn't sound like you could do that. To which the Gemara says, Lo mi bai kamar, no, no, no. Lo mi bai bas Yisrael, li Yisrael de lo matzi amar, la ilu ye kama alina lech. Ava bas Yisrael le koin de matzi amar le, ilu ye kama alech le, emalo. So we'll say, no, no, here's the chiddish. You would have thought that when a bas Yisrael is marrying a koin, Maybe she has no right, family has no right to demand a higher ksuva because the husband can claim, look, I'm doing you a favor. I'm taking you right from being a simple Yisraelis to now you're going to be the wife of a Kohen. I would have thought in that case, perhaps she cannot demand a higher ksuva. Kamash no, even in that case, she could demand a higher ksuva. And all the more so, even when you have one Yisrael marrying another Yisrael. But let's say the girl is from a distinguished family, her family has the right to go ahead and demand a higher value ksuv. And I both say, this is halacha lamaisa. Remember, again, it's not a chiddish. A girl could ask for whatever she wants, right? The girl's family could ask for it. They, they could demand whatever they want. Maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. But lamaisa, they could demand it. And certainly, again, the same way that the Basin of Kohanim said, if you're marrying a, a besula baskoin, that's chashivos, bas, she's, she's Jewish royalty, so she should get a ksuva 400 zuz. So if there was a family of mishpachas miyuchasas, right, the family of exceptional lineage, or someone else, some other, some other unique quality, and they wanted to say, our daughters should go ahead and get 400 zuz, they have the right to ask for that as well. Incredible, says the Mishnah. Suppose we actually quoted this Mishnah before. A man marries a basulah, and what happens? He marries a basula, fellow matzala basulim, and if he can't find any basulim, can't find the cheese of basula, he omeres misheerastani ne and nasty, vinistap chosadeo. She claims, I was a basula, but I was violated after Erisin, and nistap chosadeo, literally your field has flooded. It's your mazel. It's your mazel. She says to her husband, it's your mazel. Vuhu omerlo, vuhu omerlo, ki ela ad shelo arastich, haya, sorry, erastich, vahaya mechi mechartos. He claims, no. You had relations before we even had Erison, and therefore it's a mekachtal, because I thought I was marrying a basula, and it turns out you're not a basula, you're a baula. So we'll say who's right. She is believed. She is believed. Right? So we'll say, she's claiming, you're right, I'm not a basula, but I was violated after Erison. He's claiming, no, you were violated before Erison. Right? You were violated before Erison. She's Ne'emenes. She is believed. I will say, why is she believed? Look at Rashi. Kasagadaitra, a fourth line down in Rashi. It's very interesting. So, we'll say, the Gemara is making the following assumption. We have a concept of Bari Vishema, which is when you have two claims, one is a possible claim, one is a definitive claim, the possible claim always wins. So, we'll say, let's analyze this. In this case, perhaps we could say, she claims, I was violated after Erison. He claims, no, you were violated before Erison. Now I will say, his claim that she was violated before Erison is not a definitive claim. He can't prove it. I mean, if he has witnesses, then the whole discussion is over. If you have witnesses, you have witnesses. He has no witnesses. He's making a claim of possibility. That's called a Shema, a possibility. She's claiming, Bari, I'm telling you definitively what happened to me. So whenever you have two claims, one is a Bari, one is a Shema, the Bari will always win over the Shema. Therefore, she is believed in this particular case. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lo, Lo, Lo mi pia anu chayin. Rabbi Yeshua says, No, we, we don't live based on what she says. Ela harezu becheskas bu'ula, 
ad shalotis aris vit also ad shetavi raylid varaha. So I'll say this is incredible. Rabbi Yoshua says no, not true. Who says we should believe her? Should we believe her? Right? Lamaisa, lamaisa. I will say here's what we know. He thought she was a basula. She's not a basula. The burden of proof is upon her that what she claims occurred did in fact occur. Otherwise, halacha we have to assume that she had relations before Erisin, and therefore it's a mekachto. So we'll say fundamental machlokes. Let's analyze. Seitmar says the Gemara, Manalibiyadachavala Omer Eni Yodea. So listen to this case. Right? Ruvain, Ruvain says to Shimon, You owe me a thousand dollars. Right? Shimon says, I don't know. Right, so he doesn't say no, he doesn't say no. He says, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember any such transaction. Rav Yehuda, Rav Huna, Amri, Chayef. Rav Huna, Rav Huna say that you're Chayef. Right, when I say Chayef, that Shimon is Chayef to pay Reuven the thousand dollars. Rav Nachman, Rav Yochanan, Amri, Pater. Rav Yochanan, Rav Nachman say, Rav Yochanan say, you're Pater. Okay, let's, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? So the Gemara says, Rav Huna, Rav Yehuda, Amri, Chayef. So why do Rav Huna, Rav Yehuda say Chayef? Bari Vishema, Bari Adif. Because what do you have over here? Bari Vashem, a definitive claim and, a, and, a, and an undefinitive claim, an undefinitive, a possible claim. Ruvain saying to Shimon, you owe me a thousand dollars. Shimon says, I don't know. So you have a definitive claim against a possible claim. Bari Vashema, Bari Adif. Therefore, Ruvain's claim is stronger. Therefore, Shimon has to pay Ruvain a thousand dollars. So let's listen to this. And say, listen, it's Potter, why? Because again, you have a machlokas, right? Ruvain saying you owe me, Shimon saying I don't know. When in doubt, when in doubt regarding monetary issues, what do we do? Now, obviously, if Ruvain brings witnesses or Ruvain produces a document, that might be something else, right? But Lamais, again, all Ruvain is making a claim. Shimon's not disagreeing or agreeing, he's just saying I don't know. So in this case, Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yochman will say, when in doubt, keep the money where it presently is. And where is the money right now? In Shimon's pocket. In Shimon's pocket, Sa'uki Mamona Becheskas Mare, establish the money under the ownership of the person who has the current Chazaka, which is Shimon. I will say fundamental machlokas. by the Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Had Rav Huna, that which Rav Huna and Rabbi Yehuda said. Remember, Rav Huna and Rabbi Yehuda were the ones who say Chayiv, because Bari Vishama Bari Adif. So the Gemara says, Had Rav Huna Rav Yehuda, the Shmuel he. This is the same position as Shmuel. What did Shmuel say? This none. Haisem Ubarasith woman with unmarried woman was pregnant. Va'amullah, we say to her, Mativo shall ubarzeh. First white line. Tell me, what's the identity of this kid? In other words, who's the father of this baby? So the Yamar says, Me ish ploni vakoin. When she claims the father of this child is so and so and he's a coin. Rabbi says that she is believed. She is believed. Amr Rabbi Huda Mashmuel. Halacha Krabagamiel. And Rabbi Huda is the name of Shwanda. Halacha follows Rabbi Gamliel. Sharp one, which is a compliment, right? We learned that the halacha follows Rabbi Gamliel even in the earlier case. Even in the earlier case. That I will say, now what's the earlier case? Rashi says, Gabe Tviask Suvasa. Right, the Pashtas again, which is a reference to the case in the Mishnah. Halacha Fazer even in the case of the Mishnah. Ultimately, again, that what? That what? That Halacha Lamaisa, that she is believed, right? Based on Bari Vishema Bari Adif. So the Gemara says, My Af Bari Shona, 
Because remember again, going back to the case of the Mishnah, right? Remember again, Ruvain marries Rachel. She's not a basula. Ruvain says, you had relations before Erisin Mekachtos. Rachel says, I was violated after Erisin. It's your mazel. Your field got flooded. Rabbi Gamil said, we believe her. We believe her. Even though you could say, Uki Mamona Becheskas Mare, keep the money where it's right in, in the possession of who has it. Who has it? Who has it? Ruvain, the husband, has it. Nevertheless, we say, Bari Veshema Bari Adif. She's making a definitive claim. He's making only a possible claim. Therefore, her claim wins over his claim. So the Gemara says, Amra Begamia Bari Adif. So even though you could say, Uki Mamoni, so you have this clash of on one hand, if you say, Uki Mamoni Becheskas Mare, when in doubt, keep the money where it is, that would keep the money with Reuven, the husband, and he wouldn't have to pay anything. If you say, Bari Vishema Bari Adif, then ultimately Rachel's claim is stronger than Reuven's claim. She's making a definitive claim. I, I was violated after Erison, and he's claiming maybe I had relations before Erison. So Begumil clearly says that Bari, Bari, Wins over Uki Mamoni Vecheskas Mare. So let's say that Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna hold the Rabbi Gamliel. Rav Nachman Rav Yochanan Darmi Rav Yoshua. And Rav Nachman Rav Yochanan hold the Rabbi Yoshua. Armelacha Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman will say Ana de Armi Afiluk Rabbi Gamliel. The truth is, I could even hold like Rabbi Gamliel. How so? Ad Kanukam Rabbi Gamliel Hasam Ela Di Igamigo. See Rabbi saying. In the case of the Mishnah, the reason Rabbi Gamliel believes her is because there's a migo. Rabbi say migo means what? Migo means when you make a claim, you make a claim, and we know you could have made even a better claim that would have made you even more believable, but you make the inferior claim, you're believed. In this case, Rabbi say when Ruvay marries Rachel and it turns out that she's not a basula, she could have made a different claim. What was the different claim? She could have claimed, I'm a mukas eitz. And let's assume, at least according to some, Mukaseit still has the has still has the designation as a basula. So she could have claimed Mukaseit, but she didn't. Instead, she claims that she was violated after Irisin. So the fact that she didn't make the best claim possible lends credibility to the claim that she made. my migo iko. But I will say in this case over here, where halacha lemaisa, where halacha lemaisa, ultimately again by the borrowing of the money, what migo is there? Right? What migo is there? To which the Gemara says, Inami, the other possibility is, um, I'm sorry. Right. Migo, I'm sorry. Inami, at Kamo, Kamarabi Gamliel, Hasam, Ela, Darmin, Ukma, Chazaka. Or about the other possibilities by the borrowing of the money case, the reason we say that Shimon doesn't have to pay is because Uki, Mamoni, Becheskas, Mare. Aval Hacha, my Chazaka, Islay. But over here, what Chazaka is there? So the Gemara says, Hachanai, Mistabakid, I'm sorry, Aval Hacha, my Chazaka, Islay, Lahai. What Chazaka is there? To which the Gemara says, Look at Rashi, my Chazaka, Islay, Lahai. Last Rashi, Tovea. Good, to which the Gemara says, This seems to be clear why. So I'm say, this seems to be clear, as we explained, Otherwise, you're going to run into a contradiction between halachas. The kaim alon halacha k'rab nachim bedini. On one hand, we hold that halacha follows Rab Nachman bedini monetary law. Ubaha amr of Yehuda amr Shmuel halach k'rab gamliel elalav shmamina kidimishaninon shmamina. In other words, you have to say with the resolution that we said before, and indeed, this is the proper resolution. So I will say, I'll just point out something very interesting that halacha l'maisa, halacha l'maisa. First of all, let's let's work backwards. In the case, in the case where Reuven goes over to Shimon and says to Shimon, Shimon, you owe me a thousand dollars. And Shimon says, I don't know. 
they both say, we paskin like Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yochanan. That halacha lamaisa, Shimon is potter from paying. Why? Because we say, uki mamono becheskas mare. We keep the money, we keep the money, where ultimately, again, the Chazaka tells us, which is in the pocket of Shimon, and Elis Ruvain could produce some type of more, more uncontestable proof. Halacha lamaisa, Shimon doesn't have to pay anything. That's Aleph. Rebbe say, what about in our, what about in our particular Mishnah? So Rebbe say, in our Mishnah, the Rambam Paskins like Rabbi Gamliel. So Rebbe say, so I just want to point out, so we subscribe to the concept of uki mamona becheskas mare, right? In monetary law. That's how we, we, we do subscribe to that concept. That's why Shimon doesn't have to pay anything. What about in our case? In our case of the Mishnah, where Halacha Lema Ruben marries Rachel, turns out she's not a basula. Rachel says, you're right, I'm not a basula, but here's what happened. Ultimately, I was violated after Erisin. Nistap your field became flooded. It's your mazel. It's your mazel. He says, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you had relations before Erisin. The whole thing is a mekachtos. To which Rabbi Gamliel says, Halacha Lamaisa, in the Mishnah, Rabbi Gamliel says, which is how we pass, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Eliezer, that she is Ne'emanes, she is believed. Why? Because Bari Vishama Bari Adif. Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, when you have two claims, one is definitive, and ultimately, again, one is possible. So, halacha lamaisa, we go with the definitive claim. We go with the definitive claim over the possible. She's making the definitive claim that I was violated during Eresin. He's making the possible claim. Maybe it was before Eresin, and therefore, mekachtos. Therefore, we side with her. They both say, so, so why do I? So, you'll see over your board. Let's go back one second. What about the case where Ruvain goes over to Shimon, and Ruvain says, Shimon, you owe me $1,000. And, and what? And Ruvain's, and Shimon says, I don't know, I don't know. So why don't we say, Bari Vishema Bari Adif? Ah, oh, remember, there about say we have a different principle. By monetary law, that's what the Gemara says on the top of Yud Gimel. Hilchusak Rav Nachman Bedini. Da'alacha follows Rav Nachman in cases of monetary law. Right? And about say, Rav Nachman says that ultimately, again, Uki Mamona Becheskas Mare. See, even though from a Bari Vishema, right, perspective, so really Shimon should have to pay Ruvain because Ruvain is making a definitive claim. Shimon is making a possible claim. Nevertheless, in monetary law, we paskin like Rav Nachman and Rav Nachman says, Uki mamona becheskas mare. When in doubt, keep the money or in the absence of a, a provable claim, ultimately keep the money in the chazaka of the one who was in possession of it. Just, just want to add in just one, one last ta'ara. Just going back to what the Yerushalmi was saying before. I wanted to get to the end of the daffer first before I said this. What the Yerushalmi was saying about the concept of that in Yehuda, they would allow the, they would allow the wife to go ahead, the, 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 the Arusa, to be alone with her husband before Nisuin in order to build the marital bond, even though we know that that seclusion, that yichud, might lead to bia, right? And bia dirt before nisuin is certainly not ideal. Sahalach it was so important for them to create a relationship because everyone knew the trauma that was coming. And if you build the foundation of the relationship, then the relationship could potentially, could hopefully weather the trauma. And I will say, this is not just true in marriage. It's also true in our relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because it happens in our relationship with Hashem, that our relationship with the Rebbe Shalom suffers trauma. It happens, I will say. A person has a loss. A person has a setback. A person suffers a devastating defeat. And in those moments when life really doesn't go my way, it's normal to feel like, Kaylee, Kaylee, Lama Azaftani, where did you go? You know, what happened? My relationship with Hashem suffers a trauma. The Chazal tell us, how do you ensure that your life relationships, in this case now, my relationship with Hashem, is able to endure even past trauma, you have to build on it in times of good.
You have to make sure that it's solid. See, I will say, people sometimes think that you find God in the midst of trauma, in the midst of traumatic experiences, difficulties in life. It's not true. Because the truth is when a person is undergoing trauma, so often all of my effort and all of my energy is just devoted to keeping myself afloat, to keeping my head above water, to keeping myself alive. I have no time for anything else, no bandwidth for anything else. The time to build a relationship with Hashem is when life is good, is when there are no difficulties. There are never no difficulties. But when there's no trauma, there's no upheaval, Baruch Hashem, life is good, things are going well, that's the time to plug away in building a meaningful relationship with Hashem. That's when you build the foundation. Don't wait until there's an acute situation to find God, because when there's an acute situation, you're gonna have to use all of your energy just to steady yourself. You might not even have a moment to think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when times are good, before the chuppah, before the nisuin, before the night with the Roman, with the Greek governor, that's the time to build a relationship with Hashem. I will say it's so incredibly important. When life is good and things are going okay, that's the time to redouble our efforts in creating a relationship with the Ribbono Shel Olam. Because if we put in the effort to build the foundation, when life is quiet and tranquil and things are good, then when the traumatic experiences come, which they will, the relationship will survive. The relationship will be able to weather the storm. Not only that, not only will the relationship endure and survive, but the relationship itself will prove as a source of consolation, a source of, uh, it'll, it'll be an anchor. It'll be something I could hold on to even during those times of life turbulence. An incredible Musar Haskil from the Minog of B'nai Yehuda. All right, so we'll stop over here for today. Shkoyach, everyone. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. Can't wait for tomorrow. Thank you, thank you. Shkoyach and Koltov. Aschus with all of you.